This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. For the past 15 years, I've been helping children and adults meet their full potential. On our podcast, we're going to share some tips and tricks with you and some of my knowledge on how you can reach your potential and your family's goals. Each week, we'll be highlighting different specialists that can help you understand human development and how to assist your family in living their best lives. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Today, we're joined by Megan Frazier, who is a driver rehab specialist out of Central Texas. Thank you for joining us this evening. Hi, Robin. Thank you for having me. So your area of practice is driver rehab. Can you explain to us what that entails? Yeah, so a driver rehab specialist is someone who works with their clients to either get them back to driving once there's been a medical, some sort of medical condition um, or cognitive change, or it's someone who helps work with determining when driving retirement is needed. And what driving retirement is when someone is has had something happen to them, whether it's been a cognitive change or a physical change, and they're no longer safe to continue driving. So we look at their um, strength, their balance, their weaknesses, um, cognition, vision to determine um, is driving something that they can safely do and are fit to drive, or if it's something that we need to stop um, and look at other means for accessing community. And how did you get into this area of practice? I mean, you know, it's such an important, needed area. How, how did your OT journey take you to here? So I've been an occupational therapist for about 16 years. I originally was, went to school at Springfield College in Massachusetts, and my husband and I relocated to Texas. And at that time, I started practice in a skilled nursing facility. And here in Central Texas, there wasn't really anybody that I could refer patients to when I was concerned about their driving. Um, it's quite rural. Um, there is one program in downtown Austin, but for my clients, it's about an hour and a half drive. Um, and for someone who's already struggling with driving um, and we're unsure if driving really is an appropriate thing for them to continue, we weren't really sure if they should be going into Austin to drive in the first place. Plus, um, Austin is city traffic, and we live in the country. Um, so really, we were uns- putting someone in that type of environment to test their driving skills really wasn't appropriate. So about a year and a half ago, um, I went to the AOTA conference and started to go to a, diff- a couple of different um, sessions on driving rehab. And from that point, I started to make contacts with other OTs throughout the country who are driving rehab specialists and um, with the Association for Driver Rehab Specialists, ADAD, and through their education and um, other education that's given by different OTs throughout the country, um, I slowly worked at gathering the information I needed to pull driving into my practice. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I decided that I was going to leave the skilled nursing um, facility I was working at and start my own private practice in driving rehab. Wow, that's a that's a big jump. Yeah, it was um it was a little scary at first, um, but everyone in Central Texas has been very very supportive um, from the local hospital systems to primary care physicians and neurologists and then other therapists in the area that were having similar problems and didn't really know who to refer to. And that's that's amazing. That sounds like a really good opportunity. Do you work on your own? Do you have others assisting you? How, how like what does your day look like? So at this time, um, it's currently just me and my practice. I'm hoping to eventually bring other therapists um, into the practice with me as it grows. Um, my area of driving is from Dallas, Texas, down to San Antonio, Texas, which is about a 
five-hour drive between the two cities. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, what happens is I receive referrals either from other therapists in the area, neurologists, um, physiatrists, other hospitals, and I call the patient. We set up an appointment. And what an appointment looks like is I actually go to my client's home. I am home health-based. So I go to the patient's house. We spend about an hour doing a clinical evaluation. We look at vision, cognition, problem-solving, sequencing, um, sensation, um, strength, balance. Um, and then from there, um, depending on the results, we get in the car, and we'll drive for about an hour, hour and a half. Um, the way I structure my evals is I like to take my patients to places they normally go in their daily um, drive. So a lot of times we go to the grocery store, the bank, the post office, um, their doctor's offices um, is almost always on the list. And from there we decide are they safe and fit to drive um, or sometimes they'll just need some additional training. It's almost like driver's ed. Okay. Um, or if they don't do well, we talk about driving retirement and other ways to access the community. Wow, that, that is so amazing, so functional and really, really, you know, a needed area of practice. Um, what happens, I mean, I know that driving retirement is sort of like a sticky area. You know, people, you know, use it driving as, you know, their way of calming, their way of getting around. And it's really hard to break away from that ability to drive or, you know, when, when you're unsafe with driving, it's, you know, have you experienced difficulties um, in terms of discussing that with individuals, you know, driving retirement, that they should stop driving for safety reasons? Yeah, that's a really hard conversation to have um, at any time. Um, and the, the thing is that's hard about it is it's not just hard for the, the client or the patient themselves. A lot of time um, there's family involved, whether it be a child or a spouse. And um, a lot of times they're the ones that are actually calling me looking for help to talk to the client because they've identified some concerns um, that are prompting them to make that phone call. Um, so a lot of times when it comes to that driving retirement conversation, um, there is a family member there. Sometimes they're willing to hear it. Sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it takes multiple conversations. Um, at first, the first conversation is they're hearing it for the first time. Um, they're processing it. And I would say probably 75% of the time I'm getting follow-up phone calls, whether it's from the family member or the client themselves, um, asking, okay, was the result really what the result that you gave me? What else can we do to change it? And unfortunately, um, when it comes to those progressive conditions like Parkinson's or dementia, um, there that is the final result. And we just, we have, I have to be firm but positive um, and really work on ways to continue to access the um, whether it be um, transportation through their community, maybe a church member can pick them up. Um, there's a company called Go Go Grandparent um, in different parts of the country that'll come and pick people up. Um, now there's Uber and Lyft. Right. Um, the places will come and pick people up. The key is preparing people for the use of those services before they actually need it, and mm-hmm. that's where the OT can come in um, and families um, and have those conversations and maybe trial out some of those options before they actually need it because when you're faced with that um, decision of, okay, well, you're no longer able to drive and here's your only option, it's a little bit more scary um, and people tend to be a bit more resistive when that's their only option. 
Right, right, right. Yes, definitely a difficult conversation to have. Um, so which diagnoses? You mentioned a few diagnoses that um, you work with. What are some other diagnoses that you've worked with? Um, Typically, the ones that I'm looking at for driving retirement tend to be those mild cognitive impairments, Parkinson's, ALS, um, the ones that we're looking for modified driving training. So what that entails is hand controls or a left foot accelerator. So it's looking at, okay, you've had this medical complication, but how can we keep you driving? And those are typically patients who maybe have had an amputation, especially with the right leg, because they can no longer use the pedal the right the same way. Um, what else? Uh, uh, peripheral neuropathy is another one that people don't really think about. You know, you lose the sensation in your feet. You can't feel the pressure that you're putting on the pedals anymore. Someone who's had a spinal cord injury is another type of um, client that I get referrals for. And then and you, um, I don't, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't yeah, personally work with um, this population, but there are driving rehab specialists that specifically work with adolescents, so children uh-huh. with autism, um, learning disabilities such as ADHD, um, dyslexia, wow. some uh-huh. of those types of um, progress, um, disorders that adolescents um, tend to deal with. There are driving rehab specialists that specialize in those areas and how to work with adolescents to get their driver's license that just may not fit in a typical driver's ed program. Um, okay, uh, very interesting. And do you do they drive your car or do they drive their own car? No, so I have a car that is modified like a driver's ed vehicle. Um, on the passenger side, there is a gas and a brake. Oh, okay. That's safer. I was wondering about that. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. And and was that? I mean, obviously you had to go to the right place to get it done correctly. Um, how did you become a driver rehab specialist? Was it courses that you've taken, or is it a certification? I mean, what's the process for that? So AOTA has some great courses. Uh, they are actually doing a badging program to start introducing. OT generalist on that track to becoming a driver rehab specialist. As I mentioned before, there's an association called the Association for Driver Rehab Specialists. They also offer a bunch of courses, and they have a practice act that we follow. And there's another company which I specifically went to and took an additional training. And there's online courses that you take, and then you go spend a week with the instructor learning how to use the hand controls and the left foot accelerator and the instructor's brake. So that way when you get into the car, you know how to coach the client and then also do it safely and read the situation and provide the healing needed to have a safe um, intervention. Wow. So interesting. Um, who modified your car? I mean, who does that? Do they have specific companies that do it? Yeah, so they're, they're called... At, adaptive mobility companies and the way it works there's different types of hand controls and brakes and different companies a lot of times the companies will actually donate the equipment to Mm. you and then the ability dealer will install it into your car and for a client to actually have to get it installed each state has its own qualifications here in texas the process would be that a client would call me we would determine what their needs are we would practice with Play a left hand control, and then they have to actually do CPS and take the driver's test in my car with the hand controls to prove that they're safe. 
once they passed the driving test, I would work with the client and the mobility dealer and write a prescription. And then that would get, they would order whatever hand control we decide and it would get put into their car and then they'd be able to drive. Cool. Um, and are these services covered by insurance? How is it reimbursed? Unfortunately, it's not. It is uh-huh. not covered by insurance. It is private pay. Um, and there are grants out there. Some of the mobility dealers um, are able to help you with grants. Um, and if there's a new car that you've purchased that you want modified, mm-hmm. most of the large um, car dealers do have incentive programs for people who, with disabilities who need adaptive equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's really, really interesting. How many, I mean, every, I guess every individual is different in terms of how long um, you work with them. I mean, is there like a usual, like a standard set of, you know, is it a half hour, hour that you work with them and once a week, twice a week for how long, how many months? So it depends on the client. My, right. what I call, we call fit to drive clients are ones that have referred to me and that tends to make up probably 80% of my clients, and they're referred typically by a neurologist or a physiatrist, and those tend to be my stroke clients who mm-hmm. have had a stroke, they've gone through rehab, and they've met most of their goals, and they want to return to driving. The mm-hmm. physician does not feel comfortable making that determination, so they refer them to me, and a typical evaluation lasts about two and a half to three hours, mm-hmm. and at that time, if they're determined fit to drive, I go ahead and clear them. Sometimes it's clear that they're fit to drive and they can drive as they were before. Sometimes we do put restrictions on them. Those restrictions might be that they need to stay in a 30-mile radius. It may be that they need to do their nighttime driving. So, yeah, it kind of all depends on the client. If it's someone that needs some sort of adaptive control, it really is specifically what the client needs. Uh-huh. And what do you have? I mean, I'm sure you had a lot of success stories. Can you share one success story that you've had? Yeah, I actually had one today, um, oh. this morning. Yeah, he. Um, it was a gentleman. He had had a stroke, and he was inpatient at a neuro hospital. And he had gone through. He was inpatient, acute, intubated for approximately a week, week and a half was out of the ICU, we moved down to the floor, he was about a week or so on in the acute care hospital, moved over to a acute rehab, spent a month and a half in acute rehab, working really hard with the OT and the PT and the speech therapist, um, to get his strength back, was discharged home at wheelchair level, went back to his outpatient therapist, and was finally able to walk with a cane and an ASL. Came to me today because he wanted to get back to work. And went through his evaluation. We, he did have some areas that he still needed to work on as outpatient therapist, but we got in the car and he drove beautifully. Um, he was able to drive for an hour and a half without any sort of fatigue. He went through construction. There had been a car accident that we needed to get moved around and change lanes with, and it was just wonderful because now he can be independent again. He can go to the grocery store when he wants to. He can go back to work um, and make money for the family again. So it was really exciting because he's excited and his spouse is excited uh, that it brings back that level of independence that he had lost when he initially had his stroke. And now he's not reliant on anyone else in the family to take him any place. Right. Wow. So um, I was wondering, I mean, if someone has 
um, you know, they see that they're having difficulty driving or if they have a family member that they would want to have evaluated or they think could potentially need driving retirement, what would the process be? What do you recommend that they do? Are there resources online that could refer them to a driver rehab specialist? Should they speak to their primary care physician about it? You know, what, what do you think the best route is to getting proper services? I think that it's really important to start with your primary care physician because you never know what the cause is for the concerns. It could be something like the beginning of dementia or another disease process, but it could be medication-related. It could be depression. So there might be something underlying that are causing the problems, and the primary care physician would be a good place to start. Uh Um, If the primary care physician is also concerned that this is something that needs to be looked at by someone who specializes in this area, most occupational therapists, driver rehab specialists, do require a physician's order. So that would be a starting place because they're going to need that order. The thing is, a lot of physicians don't know that we're out there and that we provide these services. So a lot of times you live in a community and you express this to your primary care physician and they don't know who to to refer you to. The great thing is that the AOTA and the ADAS websites both have um, links to driving rehab specialists throughout the country. So regardless of where you are or what state you're in or what city you're in, you could go to either one of these websites and type in older driver resources or driving rehab specialists, and you'll be able to find a link for locating someone in your local area that does provide these services. Um, There are two different types of driver rehab services that are kind of out there. There's a hospital-based service. I know that you're, I think, in New York, and there are several that are hospital-based in the New York, New England area. But then there's also people like me who are private practice, and most private practice driver rehab specialists, we travel. So we're not located in just one area. We do travel around kind of a radius so that even though for your listeners, it may, you may be in an area and you think, oh, well, no one's really close, reaching out to someone who has a private practice nearby they might be actually willing to come and see you. So it is something to look into. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it sounds like, you know, your day, your, day, your area of practice is so interesting, exciting, fulfilling. Um, you're really adding so much to our profession. It's amazing. If, you know, you had spoke to me about your initiative with AOTA. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So one of the things that AOTA is really hoping is that, generalists, so just OTs in the general clinic, hospitals, um, subacute facilities, that we start to look at driving as one of our IADLs. Driving does fall in the wheelhouse for OTs, and it is something that we are able to look at, even if we aren't a driver rehab specialist. And that is something that the AUT is really hoping that generalists really do take to heart because it is something that almost every one of our clients over a certain age take part in. And it is something that as OTs through evaluations of cognition, cognitive performance and physical performance, we can at least start that discussion. And what I mean is say someone in a skilled nursing facility, if someone comes to you after a stroke and they are having short-term memory loss, they're getting lost within the facility, 
they're having trouble making a shopping list. Um, they can't remember their medications, but yet we're wanting to send them home, and they're telling you that, yeah, I think I'm going to go home and drive, and I'm going to go over to the local grocery store to pick up my prescriptions, but yet they can't even manage their prescriptions. That's mm-hmm. when that, those generals can step in and have that conversation and say, you know, I really think that you need to talk to a driver rehab specialist. Have you thought about finding other ways to get to the grocery store? Let's make a list of people who might be able to help you get to these other areas in the community once you discharge from here. So having the confidence to start those discussions, um, they don't by any means need to make that final decision. That's where the driver rehab specialist steps in. But having that confidence to at least start that discussion um, with the fam- with the patient, but then also with the family so people can start to think about, is driving safe for this client? And if not, how can we help them step in to provide them with the resources that they can still access the community until they're safe to start driving again? Wow, I think that's really important. I think, you know, OOT should really think about looking into those areas when they are doing an initial eval and making the proper referral as needed. Um, we spoke about some successes that you've had. What about some challenges in this area? I mean, how is marketing this to doctors? Did you have to do the marketing yourself? Did you have to market? Is it word of mouth? Um, any other challenges that you faced? Yeah, it's been kind of, it's been a very interesting journey for me in that respect. I was actually surprised because a lot of the large medical systems here were the first ones to jump on board and support me kind of in this journey. And the physicians um, at the large medical systems have really kind of jumped on the fact that, yeah, I'm glad that someone's here and willing to provide this additional information to help us make these decisions. And as far as getting other clinicians on board, um, I've gone into a lot of local outpatient facilities and started talking to the therapist there and pretty much what I just said to have explained to you is saying, hey, you can address driving. We can work together. I know that you're seeing these patients outpatient, but let's work together. Call me when you think you have someone that needs to be assessed for driving and we'll talk about what deficits they have and are they ready to start driving. And if they're not, if they're still having Um, Let me um, educate you on how you can still see them in the clinic for this and work on those skills, and then when they're ready, come and uh, bring them to me. That's been um, a kind of a really successful approach for me is um, developing a collaborative relationship with local clinics. Uh Interesting. yeah. Okay. So, I, so it really just came together. I mean, I guess you know, word of mouth, good service. You know, um, is definitely you know, spread by word of mouth, and people having good experiences definitely get you more clients. Um, it sounds like you know, it sounds like you're really doing an amazing thing. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for sharing all this information with us. Your website is um, homeanddriving.com, and yes, and I thank you again for joining us, Megan. Thank Keep you, Robin, doing. for having me. I really appreciated it. Doing. I mean, it's really amazing what you're doing for our um, profession. And, you know, I'm sure your patients definitely um, are benefiting so much from, you know, this um, service that you're providing, and it's definitely, you know, improving their function on a daily basis and um, safety also, definitely working on, you know, safety, community safety, and Um, patient safety. So I, I really thank you and I appreciate your time.
Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been really great to, to share this passion of mine and hopefully spark some other OTs to get involved and uh, really start thinking about driving and how they can incorporate it into their practice. Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.